the Lord. Amen. And that uh, to be able to worship God. Amen. Just think of the goodness of the Lord. Uh, that song says, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. And I thank God for saving me. Amen. He's a mighty God. He's a wonderful God. He's a Prince of Peace. <laughs> Amen. He's good. Amen. So we want to get right into our discipleship class this morning. Amen. Glad to have everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. We want Brother Miller to come. Amen. And the teachers, I'll take up our discipleship offering. Amen. What is it used to be called the Sunday school offering? <laughs> Amen. And amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord, everyone. Good to be in the house of God once again. Grateful for what God is doing. And in great anticipation for what God is going to do. It's good to know that in the midst of all the changes and things that are taking place in our world today, that God is still the same. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever more. So if you're looking for consistency in life, you can certainly find it in Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, and this will be our final lesson here for putting life back into perspective. Um, So we may do something toward the end of this class here. Um, Matthew chapter 7. Hopefully you have been taking notes. You know, we started out, I was trying to give you all some handouts, but I'm not a handout person. Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, so I apologize that, unlike Pastor, I just haven't been able to give you all handouts and materials. But one thing that you can do, and hopefully you have been doing, is taking notes, writing down the scripture references and the thoughts, the main thoughts, so on and so forth. The other beautiful thing about it is if you're looking for the series that has been taught, you can also download it online. So a lot of the stuff that we've already gone over, I've downloaded them too, just so I can refer back to them. You know, so if you feel like you missed something, there is there's some there's some ways to go back and get some of the material um, that you feel you might have missed uh, throughout all of this. So but hopefully there throughout the course, there's some things that have been becoming a part of your life. I mean, at the end of the day, it does no good to take it and then throw it away and toss it, you know, the next week or the next month. If you're not applying this to your life, then it does no good. Amen. You know, I always say uh, any man of God or any any person of God is bringing forth the word of God or doing the work of God. We don't do it to impress anybody. Amen. To impress you means that you're just, you know, you got a good feeling about the presentation of it. Well, that's great. But what has it done? What was the impact? Amen. Because that's what this is supposed to be about, the Word of God being able to impact our lives 
And like David said, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not what? Well, that's the result. The impact of the word of God being in your life, an active part of your life, keeps you from violating the things of God. Amen. So that is the purpose. The more you learn about the word of God, the more you're learning about God. Because that's what it's all about. Amen. Matthew chapter 7. And we are going to begin with the 15th verse. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And again he says in verse 20, Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You're going to know them by the things that they produce. Right? Starbucks is known for making good coffee for some people. Then some people choose Dunkin' Donuts. Some people choose Quick Trip. Some people, you know. But Starbucks is known for their coffee, right? So how would you feel if you walked into Starbucks and they gave you a cold cup of coffee? I'm not talking about cappuccino. I'm not talking about, you know, all the stuff that's supposed to be cold. But the coffee that's supposed to be warmed up, they give you coffee and you're expecting it to be hot and brewed. And you get it and it's cold. How would you feel if you walked into McDonald's and, you know, they're known for their burgers, their nuggets, all the processed food, the fatty foods that they serve that taste so good? But you go in there and you don't get burgers. You don't get fries. Instead, on the menu they show burgers, but you get fried chicken. Now, while it may taste good, there's still something wrong because McDonald's is known for their burgers, right? Would you not be confused? On the menu, you have burgers and fries. But what we're getting, something totally different. You advertise hot coffee on your menu. What I got was cold 
coffee. I didn't want cold coffee. I wanted it hot. Freshly brewed. Y'all with me? The same goes. What do you think the world would think of us who advertise that we are Christians, but then the very things that we do says something different? I'm ready to cuss you out because you made me upset this week. But last week, I was professing to you that I'm a Christian. I'm sold out to God. But you done pushed me too far this week, and I'm ready to cuss you out. I'm ready to knock your block off because I ain't like what you said about me. I didn't like how you treated me. But I'm a Christian. I'm stressed so much this week that it's bringing me to the point where I feel I'm contemplating sinning in my life. So much pressure that I feel like I got to go ahead and resort to a pack of cigarettes to alleviate my stress. So much pressure in my life, I've got to resort to going on the internet and maybe viewing a little pornography because that's going to appease and alleviate my situation. Got to drink some alcohol because that's going to help me escape from the pressure that I'm feeling. Got to find somebody in this world that I can relate to, that I can talk to, some companionship that's going to help me feel better. Because life is tough, but I'm a Christian. Then the scriptures say, come unto me, all ye that. You, you know what that means? Heavy laden. Those of you that labor and heavy laden, that means you. You got some you got some things in your life that's pressure, stress, right? But he says, Come unto me. So as a Christian, we shouldn't be chasing after the things of the world to find relief from the pressures of our life. What does that have to do with our lesson? Well, let's look at it this way. If you should should know them by fruits, we're talking about leadership as it pertains to ministry. And I'm not talking about a leader, per se, in a particular role. But I'm talking about the concept of leadership. I asked a few questions last week. So how can a parent effectively lead their children? How can a teacher effectively influence the lives of those pupils that are in their classrooms? government officials, so on and so forth, these are all examples of leadership. So in some way, shape, form, or fashion, you're a leader. Even as a grandparent, you're still a leader. It doesn't stop. And ladies and gentlemen, by you being a Christian, guess who dwells in you? Who's supposed to be in you? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, right? 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Those of you that's baptized into Christ have, do, have done what? Put on Christ, right? Then the Bible lets us know that we are children of God. If so be that Christ is living within us, right? We're also ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? It's a representative. Remember what I told you about the power of attorney last week? You get to exercise authority in the stead of the one that has granted you that authority. Well, guess what? The Bible says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of who? Y'all putting it together? So that means you're supposed to do something. Second Peter lets us know you're a chosen generation. A royal, you know what the priests did? They did work. The work of God. They worked in the temple. They were, they were revered for their position where God had called them to, to do the work that the rest of them couldn't do. Now, we are the royal priesthood. That means we're supposed to do a work. Supposed to be able to influence. Every leader is given some level of authority and responsibility, but every leader should also be able to influence. And as Christians, we say, if we proclaim that we are Christians, we use that title as more than just a title. There's, stuff, there's something that goes with it. We have to live up to that, being a Christian. Amen? And they're going to know us by the works that we do, whatever we produce, not just what we say. Talk is cheap. Everybody's a Christian today. Live how you want to live, but we still Christians. And I'm just trying to figure that out. Jesus wasn't confused about who he was or where he stood. But we got a world that teaches you can live life however you want to, but we all Christians. Now, I'm not knocking anybody that's making a genuine effort to live the right life. But at the end of the day, if I'm just living in sin and I want to claim the title of Christian, that ain't nothing but confusion. Somebody's lost and somebody's wrong. But we expect that from the world. But as the church, there should be no confusion about where we stand. Holy Ghost filled, life has changed, we've been transformed. All those things that the scripture talks about, everything being new, we are a new creature. That means we are doing things according to the way it's pleasing to Christ, not ourselves. You know the scripture talks about denying ourselves? What does it mean to deny yourself? Think about it. What does it mean to deny yourself? This is something I was thinking about this morning. When you talk about really denying yourself. And you don't have to raise your hand for this, but think about whether or not you are truly denying yourself for the cause of Christ. You can't please him and self at the same time. Y'all should know me by now. I ain't trying to be rude, but this is just, it's the truth, right? 
See, we start talking about leadership, the concept of leadership. Are you talking about something a little bit different? It's, you know, everybody comes in, you just, hey, man, my life been changed, you know, and everybody's celebrating, you know, you just been, you just been changed, you've been baptized, you feel new, so on and so forth. You know, things, everything is just new to you. Have you ever noticed, and do you remember the day when your life changed, when you was first filled with the Holy Ghost, you first were baptized, you wanted to tell the whole world, and you was looking to see, what else do I need to do that's right? I'm not trying to figure out how to weasel my way through. Matter of fact, I'm not even looking for a position to be. I'm just glad to be a part of this. But as you grow and you develop in the things of God, Guess what happens? You encounter some things in life that's supposed to come to build your faith. We heard it in the message last week, right? They get not strange. These things are coming to help build you, to help develop you. A test is meant to develop you. It's meant for your development. Temptation is not meant for your development. And the Bible already lets us know that God doesn't tempt us to do evil. That's not how he operates. He allows tests to come our way to test our faith, to prove our faith so we can be built and developed in faith. Amen? Temptation is meant to take away. It's meant for you to fall. So we know where that comes from. But as you experience the test in your life, you overcome. Guess what? You feel more victorious, right? You feel more accomplished. But now, guess, what, guess what's happening? You're being elevated. You're drawing closer to Christ. Well, the closer you get to Christ, guess what happens? You're now being put in a position. Anybody ever been put in a position where you feel uncomfortable? Like, this is out of my element. You know, like teaching Sunday school. Right? Preaching a message on Sunday was like, man... I ain't no preacher. I can't preach like some people. You got some folks, I can't, you want me to pray? What? I can't pray like Deacon Joe? For those of y'all that know what Deacon is. <laughs> Uncomfortable. But sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes God allows us to be put in those positions because if we never get put in those positions, we never grow to the point of maturity that we need to grow to. Now, there's a difference now being in an uncomfortable position because that's what God has ordained and just stepping into something that you ain't supposed to be in. And the only way to discern that is in the spirit. But at whatever level you're at, there should be some level of growth. Some level of development, right? That means you're expected to use what you have gained to help others. As Christians, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. Did you know you use the word of God to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ? Not to beat them up? This is how I look at it. If I'm trying to encourage you in the things of God and you want to listen, then you be hard-headed and run into the brick wall as many times as you want to. That's up to you. That's your choice. You're destroying your own life. It doesn't mean I don't love you, but at some point I got to cut ties so you ain't pulling me with you. 
I know that sounds rude, but that's the reality is I'm trying to encourage you. But at some point in time, in order not to lose my joy, in order for me not to lose my strength, I just got to cut sling load and let you go ahead and keep running the way you're trying to run. And oh, by the way, if you think... You know, we always say God is sovereign, he's merciful, you know, he's, he's patient. Yes, he is. He's all of that. But if you're intent on going and doing what you want to do, then at some point, God's just going to let you go. See, we don't want to look at God that way. But it's funny to me how we can look at one another that way where we say, it's okay for me to do that, but it's not okay for God to do it. How do we ever, how do we even have the position to look at God in that perspective? I do what I want to do, but God, you do what I say for you to do. I say you're supposed to be this way, God. So we more righteous than him, right? Now, not once did I say you stop loving people because that's never the case. God never stops loving us. Even when he's watching us destroying our own lives, he never stops loving us. I'm sure it breaks his heart when he sees his people going the wrong way, doing the wrong things, even while he's reaching out trying to get them to come the right way. But for those of us who are strong, the Bible lets us know that the strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. We're supposed to do what we can to try to help those who are in need. If you're weak in the faith in some area, then for me, if if I'm supposed to be stronger in the faith, then I'm in a position to help you. I'm still serving. As a leader, that's what we do. We serve. Right? It's not a dictatorship like I mentioned last week. I'm in charge. You do what I say, and that's just it. No, I'm encouraging you to do the right things. But now for those who really don't know, you're still in a position to take what you know and to help them come to the truth. The lost in the world need to know. Well, how are they going to know? Not just by what you say, but the life that you lead. Guess who's watching you in the world? Some of your co-workers on your job, guarantee you they're watching you. And let you mess up one time, and guess who's going to be right there to remind you? I thought you was a Christian. You think folks ain't paying attention when you come to church every Sunday? Let you step up in the bar. On the club somewhere. Man, don't you go to that church down there on, uh, up, up, up the street from the, from the storage place? They'll be quick to remind you. They see you dressing up, leaving your house on Sunday morning. You think they ain't paying attention? Your neighbors know. So why not be who you say you supposed to be, right? So let's talk about that. Every leader is called to a position of authority, responsibility, and influence. Last week we covered the importance of exercising the proper authority and responsibility. You cannot exercise anything that you are not given. Everything beyond that is wrong. Well, we're going to focus on the three necessary tools that I believe 
helps a leader possess good character or improve their character. There's three things among many others that you can mention. There's three things to me that really is important when you're talking about the concept of leadership, especially as a Christian. The first thing is integrity. Unfortunately, this is one of the things that's going out of the window. Integrity. How I define integrity? To be consistently honest and truthful. Integrity. To be consistently honest and truthful. Now, that's not just based upon what you say. You can say all the right things, but look at the word consistently. So that means if you, if you want to say what's truthful or you believe you're saying what's truthful, then your life should also measure up to what is truthful. All right, so let's make it plain. If I'm going to speak the word of God and I proclaim that the word of God is truth, then everything I live should measure up to what I speak, which is the word of God, which is the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But I told you before, knowing not just in the sense of a psychological matter, but knowing in a reference to relationship with the truth. So if you've looked at it, you've seen the word no was used a lot of times when they talked about people coming together, right? And -and so-and-so knew so-and-so, Adam knew Eve, and then they had a son, right? There was a relationship, an intimate relationship that took place. There has to be a relationship between what you say and what you do. Your character is expressed through your behavior, right? What you do. Everybody want to say the good stuff, but they don't always want to follow it up with their actions. Y'all heard that term before, actions speak louder than... I like to think that if I live the life, everything I speak to you afterwards is going to have an impact, not because of what I just said, but because of the life that I live. When I'm at work, that's how I try to live. I try to make sure I'm consistent. If I, you know, even if I mess up something, if I have an error, I try to, I try to get that thing squared away. Because I don't want my witness to be impaired. Because I'm being inconsistent. I want to make sure that everything I'm doing. There's times when people come and they sit down with me and they want to just, you know, they asking for counsel, which I find very odd because I'm one of the lower ranking in the unit. And I got Lieutenant Colonel asking me for guidance. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to boast. I really, you know, that's, it's not about me. But obviously God is doing something in my life. That's what I want. I want people to see what God is doing in my life. Be consistent with that. So then when I tell you I'm a Christian, you can believe it. You know, it's wonderful when you can have other folks testifying on your behalf. Not telling your testimony. We're going to talk about that. Not telling your testimony, but testifying on your behalf. 
So when someone says something that doesn't measure up to your character, they'll be able to stand up for you and say, no, that ain't, that don't sound like so-and-so. Lack of integrity? No, that don't sound like Sean Miller. The two jobs I worked, one of them I was working with money. It's, it's awesome when, you know, you can hear a manager say, hey, you know what? It, in, if you've ever worked in a fast food restaurant, they got the registers and they have your name on it. So they know who's managing that register. So when they count it up, everything measures up. You're good to go. If it doesn't, they know who to go to. Right? But it's awesome to me when the manager's, you know, it's his cash register. He says, hey, don't worry about it, man. You can, you can use mine, you know. You never have money issues. I trust you. What does that say? Obviously, there's something is being reflected in my character, the way I carry myself when I'm at work. You know, when they just, hey, you know what, you're good, man. I ain't even got to worry about you. You know, I don't have to follow up behind you. You just do what you're supposed to do. You. But I think about that when I'm working my job. Am I still being a Christian? It's easy to say it, but am I living that? Do, do, does people see that in my, in my uh, work ethics? Do people see that in the way I present myself? If I go to work looking crazy, you know, if I know I'm supposed to present myself a certain way and I don't look that way, I'm out of regulation. But what does that say about my witness? All those things matter, being consistent in honesty and truthfulness. The Word of God tells us that we're supposed to carry ourselves a certain way. In fact, the Bible tells us that everything we do in word or deed, we do it unto Christ. So if they see me, they're supposed to see Christ, right? So ask yourself this. If Jesus Christ was working here, what example would they see? What would they see? And being that I'm working here, would I measure up to what they see in Jesus Christ working here? Does that make sense? That's one way to look at it. Putting it back into perspective because that's the reality of it. If I carry Christ, that's in essence what's happening. Am I reflecting Christ like I'm supposed to? Am I living up to what I'm supposed to? Okay, the second thing is discipline. Discipline. We call this the discipleship class, right? Change it to a nice, pretty title so y'all don't feel like y'all in little kids' class. Jesus, love me, this I know. <laughs> Discipleship. Discipline is intentional focus. Some would say discipline is doing the right thing, you know, even when no one's watching. But discipline really is intentional focus. Whether you are around or not, I'm focused intentionally on where I'm going. Paul says pressing toward the mark. Well, how do you identify the mark? You have vision, right? Without a vision, Proverbs says what? The people perish. 
You got to know where you're running to first. Some folks will continue to just run around. You see them, you know, one way, one day, another way, another day. Next year, something different. You know, and they just constantly going, trying this and trying that. You know, all these different things. You got folks, you can't even find somebody with the same image from one year to the next. Long hair this year, next year is just cut short. They look half bald, look like a cabbage patch kid with makeup on. And you're like, what is going on? They don't know. Just the next new thing. Oh, there it is right there. Every time something new comes out, got to get that. Some folks can't keep the same car. Got to get the next thing. Oh, that's what's hot right there. Okay, let me go ahead and grab that. Got to keep my social status good. But you got to have a goal in mind. Go ahead and grab a job and not have a goal in mind. Chances are you probably won't make it too far. At least if you start out with your goal to be the best worker you can be, I'm pretty sure it's going to have an impact. It's going to get you somewhere. You ask a lot of kids that's getting ready to graduate high school, and it's pretty sad, but you ask them, and some of them, you know, you got a lot of them still saying, it's their senior year. I don't know. You know what's going to happen? Turn 25. Somebody's still going to be asking you the same question. Where are you trying? I don't know. You ain't been to college yet because you still don't know. 29 will come up real quick. I can tell you from, you know, my own experience, start a family, better have a goal in mind. You start a family without a goal, you got some issues. Better figure it out. And there's a whole lot of things that go into that when you start talking about, you know, designing goals. But the most important goal is to make sure that your spiritual welfare, whatever investment you're making, your spiritual welfare is secured. Where am I going to be 20 years from now spiritually? Listen, and the man of God said it uh, a couple weeks ago. Everything that you see physically is a manifestation of what already existed in the eternal dimension, in the mind of God. It's already been there. You can't outthink God. You can't think before him. You can't be two steps ahead of him. There's no way. Because before you come into existence, he's already got a plan for your life. So the best thing you can do is figure out, how do I align myself in the things of God where God is trying to lead me because obviously he has a plan for me. There's a purpose for me being here. And if I really want to fulfill my purpose in life, i got to stay in his will. That's the only way my true purpose is ever going to be fulfilled. I tell folks this at work sometimes. Not necessarily in that words because I know they don't understand all that. But sometimes I look at folks and I say, you know what? God has a plan for your life, but until you submit your life to him, you'll never really fulfill your purpose in life. 
You continue striving, trying to accomplish all kinds of things. But until you give your life to God, you will never be satisfied. You'll always feel yourself longing, trying to find the next thing just to be fulfilled in life, to feel like you're accomplishing the purpose that you're supposed to be here for. So it may not be that you're supposed to go to college and get your Ph.D. That may, may not be part of God's will for your life. Some people might be in way left field thinking that, well, this has got to be the will of God because this is successful. In whose eyes? In whose eyes? Who said you had to have, have to have a Ph.D. to be successful? Why y'all looking at me like I'm crazy? I'm not denouncing education, but really. Who measures success? Well, if we let it, society will measure it. Well, you got to have so much money, you know, in your bank account. Now, we all want to have some money. Like I always say, I really have no ambition to be rich. That's just too much pressure for me. The more money I have, I'm like, man, look, how do I keep this secured? I'm going to divvy this up to this bank and put this over here, make sure, okay, that one's a, no, you know, market crashed. Okay, what do I do? I might need to stuff my mattress. Go old school. But, I mean, you let society dictate to you, you be running crazy. Trying to be successful. And that whole thing, you can be what you want to be. <laughs> can I tell Look, let me, let me just put it, this is the way I see it. The truth is, yes, you can achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. You can be what you want to be, if that's what you choose to do. But if you're going to do it God's way, it's a matter of what you're supposed to be. Why did God create you in the first place? Guarantee you, you can be what you want to be. Or what you want to be may not get you where you're supposed to be. If I'm looking to go to heaven, like most people looking to go, I got to figure out what's God's plan for me. What am I supposed to be versus what I want to be? Because what I want to be may be heading down the wrong road. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of. I think I got it going on. Surely God will be pleased with me with all this. And then we use it. I'm blessed. Yes, God has allowed you to get a lot of stuff. But heaven and earth shall pass away. When all that stuff passes away, then you ask yourself, you'll have to stand face to face with God and hear either, yes, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Be what you want to be. The Bible says deny yourself. That's what Jesus told the rich man, right? You got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and do what? Follow after me. This is what he was teaching the disciples. He had the encounter with the rich man, and the rich man didn't want to turn and give up his own ways. 
This is the message that he was teaching. If you're going to follow after me, you've got to deny yourself. Get rid of the fleshly lust and all those other things. You've got to be focused. The flesh will pull you one way every time, one different way every time. That's why folks can't stay in one relationship. Bounce from one relationship to another. Desperate. If, let me tell you something. The worst, the worst thing you can do is get into a relationship out of desperation. That is the worst thing you can do. I'm desperate to connect with you. Better get on your knees and connect with God. Amen. They got all these different things out there now. Matchmaker and everything else. You let them matchmake if you want. It ain't going to be no match made in heaven. You sitting there laying in the bed with Satan, don't even know it. Undercover. What is it saying right here? Mike, they look on the outside one way, but on the inside, they're ready to tear you apart. The angel can present himself as an angel of light, right? He can transform himself into an angel of light. You better be careful. You better let God do the matchmaking. Seriously. You don't know what you're dealing with today. Get your marriage certificate online. Got somebody you ain't even met them. Ready to marry them. Head over heels. And then you find out, oh, man, I'm waiting for this young lady to come. I'm in love. And then to find out it's not a young lady. Right? This is real stuff, though. It's, it's bad that we have to get to the point where we start even teaching and preaching on stuff like that. In the church. I'm not talking about the world, y'all. I'm talking about church folks. Most of these lessons are applying to church folks. If you don't like it, then maybe it applies to you. Let me tell y'all something. Y'all know I say I love y'all, right? I'm not scared of one demon. Knowing that I have the power of God, it doesn't make me fear because the devil is upset. My aim is not to make him upset, but if he's upset, then good. Because you need to know that you have an eviction notice served. God is looking for his people without spot or wrinkle. God is trying to fix the lives of people, and we got the enemy, and we got folks that's just buying into it to say, come on in and wreck people's lives. You think these folks, matchmakers, ain't making money? That's the match I got. Pay for this for membership. You got this membership, everybody hitting you up in your inbox. Oh, I'm interested in you saw a picture. You don't even know me. You saw five lines and you already into me. Let's meet. I might be a serial killer. Let's meet. Young folks are buying into it too. Next thing they're sitting at the table with a 30-year-old. 16. Look, this is real stuff. This is stuff we need to be talking about. Helping God's people. Amen? 
The scripture still applies to everything that we're dealing with now. The problem is people have found, they, we become so educated that we've looked at the verbiage and said, well, it don't say it verbatim in the Bible, so it really doesn't apply. Well, I guess you can toss the whole Bible, really. Well, Jesus, discipline. Ask yourself this. Are you still just as focused as you were when you first received the Holy Ghost? Or did you lose it? And if you did, you need to figure out how to find your focus back. As I tell you right now, the scripture tells us, you adamant about doing your own thing, there's going to be a time where God just turns you over to a reprobated mind. And you won't have a clue how to find your way back. And all those folks that you looked at and pointed your finger saying, I can't believe they're that way. I can't believe they're doing that thing. Somebody else is going to see you in the same condition. Because you're trying to do your own thing. Wishy-washy folks. You know the Bible talks about lukewarm Christians. God don't like no lukewarm people. You better be hot or cold. Are you focused or not? That's just as simple as it is. I don't have no billy club, y'all. This ain't no baseball bat bashing session. This is really, yeah, I told y'all before, if anything, we're talking about some spiritual stuff. And sometimes you just got to be real and direct in love. I love the people of God. I love the things of God. But I can't stand what the enemy is doing to the church, to the body of Christ. I'm not even talking about the world. The world is going to be the world, but the church has to be the church. If we're ever going to have the impact that we're supposed to have in this world, then we got to be the church. Some of us, I mean, you know, as a church, and when I say us, I'm talking about the church body as a whole. We got to at some point realize that it's not about us. It's not. It's about Jesus Christ. So everything we do is credited to him. Amen? Everything we do is credited to him. So what kind of reputation does Jesus Christ have in our world today? Based upon what they see in the body of Christ. The last thing is courage. Courage is humble resiliency. That's what courage means to me. Not to be a hero. I don't need no cape and boots and colorful uniforms. Flying around here trying to save some people's life. I don't need to go and look for the most dangerous situation to prove that I'm, you know, I'm who I am. But courage is humble resiliency. You know where courage really comes into play? When you are under pressure and you can still stand in the face of opposition. The three Hebrew boys, notorious for their act of courage, not because they were trying to be a hero, but when they were faced against the king and his decree, they said, when we play the music, you're going to bow down to this idol. They understood the principle of what of serving God. They understood the law. I shall have no other gods before me. You're not going to serve any idol. You're not going to worship anything else but me. They understood that. 
They valued that. That was a part of their character so much so that even in the face of death, they still stood. You can't tell me. And they didn't even have the Holy Ghost. You can't tell me that you can't be courageous enough to stand for what is right even in the face of death with the Holy Ghost. Them boys understood the seriousness of what might happen, the implications of what might happen if they did not do what the king decreed for them to do. But we know the story, right? They stood anyhow when everybody else bowed. The music was playing. Distractions was put out there. The king said, look, I'm going to kill you. You're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. He's what They're watching the fiery furnace being prepared for them. They understood this means we might die. King, understand this. We're not trying to be rude. We're just standing on what we know is right. And if that means that we have to go and die, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, just so you know, we are not going to bow down to the point they're binding. Can you imagine how they felt when they were binding them up and getting ready to toss them into the fire? They understood it was so hot. There was the guys that was... uh, you know, intensifying the fire. They were staying back trying to make sure they didn't get burnt, so on and so forth. And then you get ready to throw these Hebrew boys in there. Can you imagine what was going through their mind? Oh, man, I hope everything's going to be okay. I hope everything's going to be okay. I'm just doing this to honor God. I don't know if we're going to make it. I don't know if we're going to live. But you know what? I'm just praying. I'm hoping that God honors this. You know, I can only imagine what's going through their mind as they're on their way saying, man, I hope we did the right thing. But they believed what they believed and they stood for what they stood for. Humble resiliency. Listen, I'm not being prideful in what I'm doing. It's easy to be prideful when you're stronger than anybody else and you can fix the situation. Well, you know what? I got this covered. I'm courageous. But when you're under pressure. Daniel was another one. And the thing I like about these guys is that here you have a, you know, it's not, oh, we're just going to hang you. You talk about situations of torture. We're not just going to take you out and that's it, you know. No, you're going to feel a lot of pain on your way out. All you have to do, Daniel, was not pray or at least pray in secret. What did Daniel do? He did what he always did. He wasn't trying to be a hero. He wasn't trying to prove nothing to nobody. He did what he always did. He continued to pray. Wonder how many of God's folks are going to stop praying because things get a little difficult. Stop fasting. Stop reading the word of God. Stop encouraging one another. Times get tough sometimes. Things get challenging in life. You know what the word resiliency means? When pressure comes up, you know, they talk about those levees that come in, you know, that they build to make sure when the floods come in down south, they have something to push against the floods coming in. Something that stands as a barricade. If you are resilient in the things of God, then even those things that come upon you, what did Paul say? I'll let nothing separate me from the love of God. 
trials and tribulations come my way, I'm still going to stay connected. I'm still going to stand on what I know. If I can't move forward, one thing I'm going to do is stand. When you've done all you can to stand, he says, stand. If you can't advance, if you feel like the pressure is that strong, don't you buckle. Don't you tuck tail and run. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. You stand. But what you're standing on, this is where the humility part comes in. It's not my own strength. It's not my own ability. It's not my own power. Not by power, not by might, but by... He's the one that makes me strong. Y'all heard him say, when I'm weak, why am I strong? David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Who should I be afraid of? Who do I need to fear? Who is it that will come and cause me to give up everything that I know, to walk away from everything that God has brought me to, everything I'm connected to? The truth is what liberated me. Who is it? What is it that's going to come and cause me to put those chains and those shackles back on? Having the courage to stand for what's right even when everything else is wrong. Being resilient. As a leader, as a Christian, we have to be that. Because brothers and sisters, it's coming. It's already happening. They're coming. People don't like Christians. They don't like what we stand for. But I tell you what. There's a time coming where you have professed that you are a Christian. You will have to prove it. Integrity, discipline, courage. I'm over my time. I apologize. But God bless you. Let's take a break. In Jesus' name, let's get ready for a dynamic service. Wow.